DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo, competing for gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for our listeners. Listen to this. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. DraftKings is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know that you will too. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a single medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined by Nicholas J. Horat. We are in the midst of what seems to be the busiest two-week stretch of the NHL offseason. Of course, last week, we had our breakdown of the Seattle Kraken expansion draft on our last Thursday episode, episode 66. So if you missed that one, definitely go check it out. But... This week, we have more news, more stuff going on, and hopefully more players coming into the city of Pittsburgh. On Friday, we had the NHL draft, so we'll talk about the players that the Penguins drafted with their nominal five picks in this year's draft. And we're also going to talk about the 2021 schedule for the Pittsburgh Penguins, some of the key games there, as well as the layout for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But before we get all of that started, Horwat, are you surprised that Ron Hextall just stood stood pat with all of his picks on Friday and Saturday. Uh, I'm very surprised, actually. Uh, and not so much because there have been rumors abound about players being traded out. Uh, just the fact that, dude, we had, like, no picks, no good selections. I get that this draft was different and a little bit more difficult because of a pandemic and we couldn't go scout the same way as before. But the mm-hmm. fact that no moves were made. I mean, we've been preaching for how long that the Penguins only have five picks. Three of them are in the last 30 of the draft. Um, you're not going to get much from that. You're really not. But uh, they stood pat. They said our selections are going to be as good as they can be. And um, if anyone watched the 10-minute video of uh, head of player personnel Chris Pryor, Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking, he was preaching patience and every single pick he went over. It was, they're all, you know, they all have uh, developing and growing and maturing to do still. Uh, especially uh, the three from the seventh round. I think he really got on a, a bit of a tangent of these guys are going to need to mature and really uh, be patient with these guys as they are kind of project picks almost. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, while it is not ideal, again, they were handcuffed. There was nothing we could do. Yeah. Um, but I was a little surprised there were no deals. And our five picks, a second, a fifth, and three-sevenths. Oh, first of all, you say that out loud and it doesn't sound good. <laughs> but the yeah. point I'm trying to get at is because of the scouting and because there was a pandemic, we couldn't go see people in person that often. Not to mention the fact that this regime of general managers took over in February. So they had to catch up on all of the scouting Yeah. from, I mean, it, it is nominal. There wasn't that much scouting, but they had to come in and in three months you have five picks. Do you really want to mess around and dr- trade down when you, you're not exactly sure where your scouts are, are landing? That That's, that's a very difficult thing. That's so fair. I was surprised as well. I think just the main point is, yeah, we couldn't go scout in person that much. Some leagues straight up didn't. Some leagues straight up didn't play or were yeah. uh, stopped for a while. The part you have to remember is there. It's a, there's a very good possibility, and boy, you hope it's true that there were just some diamonds in the rough mm-hmm. in the uh, closing rounds. I mean, through the first two, it's pretty solid. What you know, what you're gonna get anyway. Um, but from three through seven, normally you know, you don't know what you're getting with those guys, but maybe there are some players. Um, in rounds three through seven that, uh, you know, surprise you a little bit. I would expect this draft to have a little bit more of an NHL presence in a few years of the later picks just because of that. I mean, you can't see them in person too much, so you don't know the ins and, the full ins and outs of their game. So maybe they grow differently and um, were just projected wrong because, I mean, I don't know this for sure. You know, I, don't, I haven't seen any, like, studies or mm-hmm. – heard anyone else mention this it's just kind of the vibe i'd get from it from this year yeah it makes sense especially considering i mean you even look at the chl which is one of the top junior leagues in the world and they had three different leagues that had three completely different schedules and played three completely different amounts of games so it was a difficult year to scout for sure and i think a lot of the teams were confident but at the same time you saw, especially with some Penguins picks, their first pick was 58th overall. And you saw some people saying, oh, I projected him to go 35th. I projected him to go yeah. early 50s. I mean, everybody's projections were all over the place because people's views and abilities to see certain players and scout certain players were just all over the place this year. So it's, like you mentioned, it could be a crapshoot when it comes to where the strength of this is five years down the road. This draft might be a very, as you mentioned, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round pick heavy draft, whereas the first and second rounders might not be as successful in the league. You just don't know at this point. And I think also with that, you have a lot of players that aren't going to be ready for the NHL right out of the bat. I I don't think Owen Power, who was drafted first overall to the Buffalo Sabres, I don't think he's going to make that team out of camp. I, I, I wouldn't. And the only reason he might is because of how bad Buffalo is. But you look at Matty Beneers in second overall, he might not either. Has Owen Power committed one way or the other? Uh, He was thinking about pulling out of the draft, but he he hasn't signed as of yet, as of this recording. So it's possible he still goes back to Michigan anyway. Yeah, and and honestly, if he he would have to not sign, I'm not sure signed players can. Oh no, they should be able to because our draft pick mm-hmm. is going to college hockey too. So, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how that all works. It's not so currently. much about being signed as it is the teams have your rights. 
Mm. And I think they have them for three years. Whereas you can... Yeah, they'll have it for three years, and it doesn't really necessarily matter if you're signed. Mm -hmm. I don't know the NCAA rules, at least, but... Um, I mean, that's why Legare and Poulin were able to kind of go back to the queue. Like, they were yeah. able to fly around like that. Um, but I don't know what the NCAA's rule, NCAA rules are. I don't think you can be signed. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I would. Can. I think so. I'm Wait, going to double-check real quick. We're quickly. all completely forgetting about... Uh, the stud in Montreal from the, from the finals. Caulfield, yeah. Cole who Caulfield. was straight up signed. Yeah, no, you can go back to the NCAA. Um, it's, so it's the team just owns your rights. That's kind of the point, the part I was trying to get at with uh, yeah. Owen Powers is he can go, has, if, if basically just asking if he has decided which way he's going yet because um, I wouldn't blame him for going back to college for a year, even if you are with Buffalo because um, – I mean, they sell you when you go to college, when you are senior in high school, they sell you on the college experience. Like, mm -hmm. he hasn't gotten one. He's 19. Owen Power, I think he, he – I'm not I'm not sure I wouldn't want to say either way. I think he's either 19 or 18, obviously. But here's the thing. he His entire college experience so far has been through a pandemic. We're kind of starting to get out of that, and mm -hmm. he's a college hockey player. Let's just put it bluntly. The kid's going to go have some fun. He's gonna go party a little bit. He's gonna go do his, you know, college thing. But at the same time, it'll be a little bit more open because you can now go to college, have your college experience, and still play hockey. Rather than before, it was classes, dorm room, hockey. That's it. You can't yeah. do anything else. So I wouldn't blame him for going back just for the personal aspect of it, um, and also because Buffalo sucks right now. Just see what happens, yeah. right? I mean that's not the big reason, but either way, I can understand it. He's young, and mm -hmm. the, let's—I mean, like I said, let's be real. Colleges sell you on their experience. Yeah, I, I would argue that the first couple of years in the NHL is like college as well, because you're getting paid that much money, especially if you're a first overall selection. After you get to the league, it's pretty much like that. But I find it interesting that you went straight to Cole Caulfield when it came to can college players be signed. My brain immediately went to Brian Rust to go look up when he was drafted and when he played at Notre Dame. And he was drafted in 2010 and then immediately played four years for Notre Dame. So, yeah, you can play college hockey still after being drafted. But let's get into the Penguins draft picks really quickly because I haven't done too, too much deep diving on these five guys. But I just finished what writing I've a whole seen, story on, the, on all of them. So Well, then I'll probably defer to you a lot here. But let's start it off with our second round pick, 58th overall, the Penguins select. Tristan Braz, who is committed as of right now to play in Minnesota, play some college hockey. He is a creative and playmaking forward as he, he dubbed himself whenever he had his first media availability with the Pittsburgh media. And he's a former USHL player. He finished up last season in the USHL. And surprise, surprise, the Pittsburgh Penguins select another player that is formerly of Shattuck St. Mary's. But Horwat, what do you have on Tristan Braz? It seems like clearly... As Chris Pryor said, you're preaching patience even with the second-round pick. He is young, only at 18 years old. His, he was born on October 10th of 2002, which I had to do a double-take when I saw that. I'm forgetting <laughs> yeah. how much older we're getting. But yeah, what do you have on Tristan Braz? Um, Elite Prospects has him as a, what is it, a, the, a quote, a shark sniffing out blood in the water. He's hard on the puck on all 200 feet of the ice. Uh, Jesse Marshall, who we're going to have on soon enough, not this episode, but a future episode. Loved this pick for us. 
um, in, in his attempt to make the draft as exciting as possible for Penguin fans, because I'm going to be honest, I was not looking forward to it. Uh, but this should be a good pick for the time being. Again, it's um, a bit of a project pick, but he's hungry for the puck at all times. He's going to play the 200-foot game and has a lot of room to grow still. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to play a full season in the USHL is something that not every league could do. So the Penguins were confident that they had a good amount of scouting on him, uh, that they knew what they were doing with this pick. And, yeah, he's committed to college hockey for at least the next season with Minnesota. Yeah. But um, that's a good team and gives Pittsburgh fans a reason to watch college hockey for a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that because I haven't really been able to dive into college hockey because the Penguins really haven't had anybody in college hockey hockey as of lately. So I'm excited to go follow Minnesota Gophers and see how Tristan does and see what he does in the college hockey landscape. Uh, Let's get into the second pick for the Pittsburgh Penguins, a fifth rounder because they were off for three rounds following their first selection. Almost 100 picks. And then they selected Isaac Beliveau, a 6'2 defenseman who also played at a former place that Sidney Crosby played as he played in Ramouski part of last season before being traded to the Gatineau Olympics of the QMJHL. Horwat, what do you have on Beliveau? Seems like a really big guy, but a very good skater for Isaac Beliveau and for the Pittsburgh Penguins back on the defensive side. Yeah, so as as much as patience was preached for these draft picks, um, the Penguins made it clear that they wanted to select size without compromising skill. Mm-hmm. Um, this pick in Beliveau and the next pick, which we will get to, or not the next one, the second seventh round pick, which we'll get to, uh, were big reasons of that. They mm-hmm. were the big guys, the big defensemen. Like This one is uh, Beliveau 6'2". I don't have the weight in front of me unless I, I didn't write it down. So, uh, six two one eighty five. Yeah, and room to grow probably because he's only seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's another confident player. Yeah, the Q kind of had a weird season, but um, you know, in his thirty seven games, he scored seventeen points, which isn't awful. And uh, Chris Pryor is confident he's able to play both sides of the or both sides of the puck, which. Um, if you can grow into that, that's good stuff. And I don't know exactly what the plans are for him in the ne- upcoming season, but um, he fit a lot of the boxes that the Penguins were trying to fill with the height and skill. Because of how young he is, I would imagine he stays in the queue. And that's the same thing with Tristan Braz. You're not going to see him come up to the AHL until probably he plays his either four years or three years in Minnesota. So you definitely have time to watch these guys in juniors and watch these guys in college hockey and try to get a sense of where they're getting to go when it comes to their development. But let's get into the seventh rounders. I don't want to stick too much on the NHL draft because the Penguins did have so few picks because they only had two in the first six rounds. Now in the seventh round, they got busy. They had three picks in the seventh round, the most action that Ron Hextall had all weekend, especially because he didn't, he didn't make any trades. Let's not be naive and think that he wasn't actually making calls, but he didn't pull the trigger on any trades. The three picks that he made from the seventh round, Ryan McCleary of the WHL's Portland Winterhawks, a defenseman, another defenseman, Daniel Latch of the USHL, and then Kirill Tankov of Russian Juniors. He did play some of last season in SKA St. Petersburg. Horwat, just a, a little quick overall, what you looked at when you saw these three players drafted? Um... Okay, starting with McCleary, nothing much. I got, like, no information on him, really, other than yeah. 
Uh, seventh round pick, six foot. He's young. He's like 17 still. He's mm-hmm. um, Chris Pryor said if he was, oh, I forget how much younger. And uh, too, not too much younger, he would have been in next year's draft. That's how young this kid is. He is a full-on project pick, I think, um, who they can really grow into the kind of player they want him to be. They're going to let him develop in the WHL for the time being, and that'll be yeah. fun to see. His father also played in the NHL, not with the Penguins, but played in the year 2000, which is, that's when it hit me that I'm old, older, <laughs> is yeah. that um, his father was in his 20s playing in the NHL while we were alive. And then I kind of realized, yeah, we watched Vladimir Guerrero play. I was about to say, you didn't you didn't hint that with Vladimir Guerrero and Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Yeah, it's it, it never really dawned on me until now that uh, these kids are so young. Uh, but that's um, Ryan McCre- McCleary. Uh, Daniel Lash, again, he's an Altoona, Wisconsin native. So we've got to get it right. But he's the he's another one, the big, tall guy, 6'5". Yeah. He's the big, tall defenseman. I don't know much about his skill. This one I really had nothing on. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he fit the boxes for the Penguins. And if you want to talk about having nothing on, Kirill Tankov wasn't even listed on most, if not all, uh, prospects, draft prospects rankings or whatever um, this pick was mostly done because the penguins made a recent hire in russian scouting in alexander kavanov and late seventh round got only got a few picks left this is a taking a shot in the dark with uh your russian your russian scout who's gonna watch him for the next couple of years and you don't you don't have much to lose with a pick like that and mm-hmm. He's a versatile forward, though. According to Pryor, he can play wing and center, which, I mean, that's important in Pittsburgh, is it not? Yeah, that's something that has fit the mold in Pittsburgh for a long time. And the Penguins organization is hoping that this Kirill works out as much as Kirill Kaprizov has in Minnesota. Obviously has a long way to go till he gets there. I saw a lot of people over the weekend kind of poo-pooing the Penguins having three seventh-round draft picks and saying, oh, what's it matter? They have two draft picks. It's a second-rounder, a fifth-rounder, and then a bunch of crap. And it's like, no, it's not a bunch of crap. I mean, do you want the biggest reason why? I mean, besides the fact that we mentioned that there hasn't been a lot of scouting, so there could be diamonds in the rough, and that could be in the seventh round. But we've seen seventh-round picks be successful with the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. Obviously, the one that comes to mind is Patrick Hornquist. He was Mr. Irrelevant. Pick number 230 in 2005. Now he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion, scored a Stanley Cup clinching goal, and clearly has made a lot of money over the years. So we could see one of these guys. It's going to be a while before we see any of them. But the one thing that when I look at these picks all together that I see is a lot of versatility from Ron Hextall and his group. You have two guys from the USHL, one that's going to college hockey. You have a guy from... The Q, you have a guy from the WHL, you have a guy from Russia. So you have a good mix of different vibes and different views and different leagues. And that's what I like for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not handcuffing themselves to a certain area. Obviously, they've, for the last couple of years, been kind of focused in on the CHL as well as Sweden and Finland, the Scandinavian countries. But to see a, a Russian draft pick and to see some college hockey draft picks and USHL draft picks. It gives me the sense that these organizations, especially the Pittsburgh Penguins, are starting to branch out and make sure that they pay attention to each specific league across the country and across the world. So I have a really good feeling about this draft class. Obviously, 
I don't have much information as of right now, so I could be completely wrong. But looking at the draft class as it is now, I'm excited to follow along these five players and see what they do. Yeah, and one thing I did forget to mention, Lash is also in the NCAA system. He'll be with the University of Wisconsin Badgers. So whenever Minnesota and Wisconsin get together, that's a must. That's must-watch TV out here. At least it should be. Um, and you just have to hope this draft class works. And I'm sure we've been saying this for a couple years now, but uh, the Penguins haven't had a draft pick play for them since Dominic Simone in 20, with a 2015 draft pick. Other than Sperry Kapanen. Uh, 14. Uh, oh, you mean what year they were drafted? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, no one has touched the NHL. Gustafson has made it, but in Ottawa. Mm. And we traded Kalen Addison away to Minnesota. That's been it. Yeah, Poulin and Lagare might soon enough change that tide. But, but then, then who? That's it. Yeah. If you look through some of the draft picks recently, if you only focus in on the Jim Rutherford years, oh, it's it's pretty brutal, honestly. Yeah. He definitely was not big on the NHL draft. And I think before Poulin and Legere, and we, like we said, we're going to talk to Jesse Marshall. I'm sure he'll have something to say about Philip Hollander being the first name to break that list. But a couple other highlights that I saw from the first round of the NHL draft, although the Pittsburgh Penguins were not in it, I did pay pretty close attention. Matty Beneers is a pick that if you watched the World Juniors last year, you understand how skilled this guy is. Coming out of Michigan, the guy, obviously a, a World Junior Championship gold medalist, goes second overall to the Seattle Kraken. I think that was a really interesting pick and a good pick for Seattle as their first ever draft pick. I think the guy, if he's not ready this year, which he might go back to Michigan, if he's not ready, he'll be ready soon. Sort of like a Cole Caulfield effect, as you mentioned earlier. I thought it was also interesting that four of the top five picks in the NHL draft all came from the University of Michigan. So really good year for college hockey, I'm sure. John Buchergross was very happy to see that as are the people of obviously Michigan. And then the other thing that I met saw is obviously the Luke Hughes draft to the New Jersey Devils, seeing his brother Jack Hughes' reaction, how excited he was, and Quinn was sitting on the other side. So the Hughes family now has three NHL players, I mean, I wish I was blessed with that gene pool, but <laughs> congratulations to Luke Hughes getting to play with his brother Jack in New Jersey, and I'm sure we'll see him plenty, probably in a year or a year and a half because he's a Hughes brother. And honestly, I've heard that he's going to be maybe not the best Hughes, but he's going to put give the other two a run for their money. It was a, it was a big weekend for siblings in the NHL, man. Mm -hmm. Beyond the draft even, the Joneses. The Joneses. Keeping up uh, with the Joneses? Yeah, heading to Chicago. <laughs> I mean... Ooh, heading to Chicago on that deal, but yeah, I mean there was the Joneses, the the McCars. How about how about Kale's brother getting involved late, late in the mm -hmm. in the draft? Uh, Stefan Robida. I know it's not siblings, but hey, it's a family. Yeah, you mentioned the Hugheses, and there was one more that I'm forgetting. Sorry, Justin Robida, the son of Stefan Robida. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean there was obviously the flurries getting taken in the expansion draft, so maybe mm -hmm. that's what I'm thinking of, but. No, there's another one. I just can't put my finger on it either. Yeah. Uh, I, lo I lost it, brain-wise. Yeah. Then there's Shane Doan and his son. Mm. Yeah. Big, big, big weekend for families in the NHL, and somehow the 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 Sutters were not part of it. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> oh, the, the the Docs. Kirby Doc and his brother. Oh, uh, his brother was, was drafted to the Chicago Blackhawks. So Chicago is just bringing in all the sets of siblings. But 
let's move on to the Penguin schedule release. Not a lot to talk about here. Just kind of breaking down what we're going to see from the first 82-game schedule in three years. As of today, when this comes out, there is 78 days until puck drop against the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa Bay for the banner raising on October 12th. I'm excited to see that. The last two back-to-back -back champions dueling it out. Obviously, that's why the NHL decided to do it. So we'll get to see the Tampa Bay Lightning on their quest for a three-peat very early on. And that is 78 days away. I'm so excited to have hockey back. We're less than three months away. And of course, in about two months, we'll have the start of training camp. We still have so much to get through in this offseason. We have a lot of trades because it seems like Ron Hextall is not really big on the free agent market this year. So we're going to have a lot of trades for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Probably a couple of signings, but it's there's a lot to happen in the next 78 days before we see the finished product of what Ron Hextall wants to see on opening night. Yeah, and what he wants to see, it's going to be interesting because it could be a very tender year for the Penguins because mm -hmm. they don't want to make us too big of a splash in free agency. Um, there could be a goalie situation already. And we have to make some sort of trades. And what do you bring back in trades? Yeah. Are you like what are you bringing back? Because if you're not making a splash in free agency, are you taking on contracts or are we trying to cut some salary here? We don't know exactly what's going on. It's kind of nice having a tight lipped GM, love it. <laughs> uh, but it could be a tender year. Boy, oh boy, do you just have to hope something works out? I think it will, though. I'm co still confident in this team, as barren as the prospect pool might be. Um, but the top end talent is still the top end talent, and this is a fighting team. We have a smart general manager in there who can build a good team. He just, it's now this is the time to do it. Free agency starts when? Free agency starts on Wednesday. Wednesday. Well, I mean, there won't be, like I said, maybe not any big signings, but stuff will get done. Some new names will be flying in, I'm sure. Yeah, there was some talk last week about the fact that Ron Hextall was in close discussion with the Arizona Coyotes as well as the Anaheim Ducks. And I know everybody flew off the handle when they saw that. And they said, oh, the Penguins are looking to get Darcy Kemper or John Gibson. That's exactly a what lot of A lot of cold water was kind of dumped on that later in that day. But it is going to be interesting because we don't know. We know that they initially said they want an experienced backup goaltender. Is that still the case? Are you looking for a 1B if you're going to trade Tristan Jari? Because if you have a 1B and Casey DeSmith, I don't know if you're that much better than you were last year. And who knows, maybe Casey DeSmith is the player to get traded. But that's what we're saying. There's a lot to be discussed. There's a lot to be revealed in this offseason still. And when it comes back to it, it's going to be an 82-game season. And it's going to be very, very difficult to kind of judge where this team's going to be on opening day as you sit here right now. Yeah, and also, did you notice on the schedule that three-week gap in February? I did, and I was just about to get to that. But let's break down really quickly the opponents. Obviously, the Penguins are going back to facing Western Conference opponents twice, once at home, once away. So there's 32 games right there of the schedule, including the Seattle Kraken. Our first games against the Seattle Kraken. Our first one will be in Seattle on December 6th, two days after my birthday. So if anybody wants to give me a gift, JK. Uh, and then, of course, January 27th, our home fans will get their first view of Brandon Tanev, Jared McCann, and the crew of the Seattle Kraken being here at the end of January. And the other matchup that I highlighted, just because we don't know how many more times we're going to get to watch it, Sidney Crosby versus Connor McDavid. Mm. December 1st, we play in Edmonton as part of the same road trip as the first Kraken game. 
And then April 26th, one of the last games oh, of the yeah. season, Connor McDavid will be in Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins with the Edmonton Oilers. And at that point, I'm not sure Edmonton will still have anything to play for, but Ooh. I'm sure Connor McDavid will probably be up there for the Art Ross, so he'll have something to play for still. I was just about to say, that game could mean a lot to both teams if there are playoff intentions maybe on the line, because like I said, it could be a tender year for the Penguins. Who knows how many games they need? Yeah. And Edmonton, I mean, they're being weird, aren't they? they yeah, could definitely be a with the re-signing of Mike Smith again. And that division sucks, so they could be a fringe yeah. team. That could be a hell of a game on a Tuesday yeah. night in late April. The last Tuesday night game against the Oilers that I remember was the game where Sidney Crosby had that absolutely unbelievable overtime yeah. winner in a 6-5 to five barn burner up in Alberta. But apart from those Western Conference matchups, the Penguins will play each Atlantic Division team three times this year, obviously switching between which teams they face twice at home versus which teams they face twice on the road. And then the Metropolitan Division is broken down a little differently. They will have four matchups against the Columbus Blue Jackets, Washington Capitals, Philadelphia Flyers, New York Rangers, and New Jersey Devils, whereas they only play the New York Islanders and Carolina Hurricanes three times. What is it with the schedule makers and not wanting the Penguins and Carolina Hurricanes to play? Because not only... Do they only play three times after not playing at all last season? Not only that, the season prior, they only played one game against Carolina because everything was backloaded that year too. Why do the Penguins never play the Hurricanes? You, you get handcuffed whenever you realize, okay, each team has to play each uh, opposing conference team at least twice. Mm -hmm. Then you handcuff a little more when it's like, all right, they have to play outside of their uh division but within the conference a certain amount of times which that one you can adjust who cares yeah and then and then they keep changing the size of the division every five years mm -hmm. i mean carolina wasn't in this division for the longest time and maybe that's why maybe because it's not the money rivalry yeah when you see that the fact that they got four games against columbus washington philly new york you're looking for more bad blood rivalries i think in that four set but the Islanders aren't. I feel like the Islanders are. A, I think they'd be a stronger a stronger opponent for four games than the Blue Jackets. I, that's just a proximity rivalry there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I. I mean, personally, I'm all about realigning the divisions one more time, so it actually makes sense. But again, that's another conversation for another day because there's no reason why the Florida teams should be in the same division as the Canadian teams. There's no reason Arizona <clears throat> should be in the Central. There's not, but I'm all for realigning them one more time to actually have them make sense, but who cares right now? That's mm -hmm. a different conversation. Um, yeah, yeah well, just with the schedule making, it's just hard when you handcuff yourself to certain things. That's all. Yeah, and that's fine because I do enjoy seeing both Western Conference matchups mm -hmm. home and away. So I, I like being able to see every team. Yeah. I think that is good for the game, that's especially a good when you talk about Yeah, especially when you talk about guys like Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon. You know, you, you like having two matchups with them a year and getting to see them against your team and also because it makes it easier to kind of predict the playoffs when you've actually seen them play it's it doesn't make it 100 percent easier but it makes it a little bit easier but the last thing i want to talk about about the schedule and, and, and as you mentioned there's a three-week break for not only just the olympics in 2022 but the all-star game as well they're looking to do both as of right now i'm sure if they do 100 percent decide to go to the olympics which if you're blocking out a three-week break i would hope that you're pretty confident 
I'm not sure why they would continue to do the all-star game and all-star break. And I mean, I guess it gets you a lot of money, a lot of yeah. TV revenue, yeah. but at the same time, that's a lot of hockey. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot of the players that are going to go to the Olympics probably defer from going to the all-star game. Yeah. Cause here, cause to be fair, I don't, yeah. Cause I'm looking at the Olympic schedule for the winter Olympics. Then they're scheduled to be the fourth through the 20th. So that's, Oh, that's over two weeks. I mean, that's basically the entire. Yeah, but the hockey's there. not the entire. It's not, but I and I don't know how um, connected the the NHL players would be to the rest of like the country, mm-hmm. sort of going all at once. I don't know if um, I don't know if I have the hockey dates in here. That'd be cool, but it would just depend. And I know uh, some of them will stick around at least. But, I don't know. It's just the fact that the Olympics are that long. I mean, we're just getting into the Summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes away time. So, really, yeah, if the if the players do go, I don't think they'll be in the All-Star game. Yeah, I, I don't see why they would do that. Especially, there's been a lot of hockey to be that has been played the last two years. I know it hasn't been a lot of games, but they haven't had a lot of rest time. The NHL players have between the last two postseasons and off seasons. So I would imagine that obviously the players are going to be pretty happy to have a three, three week break in the middle of the season. I'm sure that's going to help them get through the 82 game season and help their conditioning. But again, as we wanted a regular NHL year, we're not going to get it because the playoffs will start at the beginning of May instead of the middle of April, because that two weeks pushes it to the end. But I have no issues with it. I'm excited to hopefully see Evgeny Malkin play for Russia, Sidney Crosby one last time, leading the Canadian teams and seeing them play with guys like Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon on on a team with Sidney Crosby. I think that would be a whole lot of fun. So I'm excited to potentially see NHL players return to the Olympics for the first time since 2014. These, those teams would be all around. Those teams would be so good. Russia might finally have a fighting chance. USA might, I mean, it sucks to say USA might be the only team that it's gotten better, but Canada's going to, Canada is going to be really good. Yeah, I think the the USA team is going to be better than they've been in a long time. But especially on the defensive side and the goaltending side with Connor Hellebuck and right. John Gibson, but possibly going to be oof. astronomically better. Like, yeah, it's not going to be fair. I mean, the question is going to be who's Canada's goaltender going to be? Are they going to go back with Carey Price, Mark Andre Fleury, possibly, or are well, they going remember, to go with a younger guy? I mean, going into the going to last NHL season, I think the talk was it maybe. Carter Hart and Jordan Bennington, and then we saw what the hell those two just did, so they're out of the conversation, hopefully. Bennington wasn't awful, but Carter Hart had a really bad year. We'll see what he does once some actual defensemen get into Philly, and by actual defensemen, I mean Ryan Ellis, and and no way Rasmus Restalainen. One actual defenseman. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, though, and when we come back, we're going to have our weekly Pens poll, a fun one this week, kind of all over the board with this question, but we'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when signing up with DraftKings for great opportunities and great Odds again, promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook as well as DraftKings Daily Fantasy. 
Horwat, our pens poll this week, I kind of just threw a bunch of crap at the wall to see what sticked. And we have ended up with probably one of our closest pens poll in the history of us doing this segment. And the question was, which of these are you most looking forward to possibly happening during the 2021-22 season? Because a lot of this, other than really one thing, a lot of this is up in the air on whether or not it's going to happen. And the winner of that poll was Sam Poulan slash Nathan Legere's debut. Either or. 28% voted for that. A full season of Kasperi Kapanen got 27%. Also, happy belated 25th birthday to Kasperi Kapanen who had a birthday last Friday, so he got 27%. More P.O. Joseph, just down pat. We want more P.O. Joseph, whether that's one game or 30 games. 24% of our voters said that. And then in last place, Evgeny Malkin hitting his 1,000th game with 21%. So between first and fourth place, a 7% gap. Obviously, Evgeny Malkin at 940 games played right now. Probably set to miss the beginning of the season, recovering from knee surgery, so he might not hit it this season. But if he does, it'll be something fun to watch. It will be. That was my selection, and I totally forgot he was hurt when I selected it. So, <laughs> uh, let's talk about it as if he's going to hit it, because we just saw how cool it was watching Crosby play his 1,000th game. Mm-hmm. Just adding to the joy of this whole thing, Malkin hitting it the next season. Um, it would be very poetic if you think about it, too, because I remember Crosby hitting his 1,000th point. And then I think it was the next season, Malkin hit his 1,000th point. So mm-hmm. why not do the same thing with the, each of their 1,000th games? I mean, it might be a Malkin second fiddle situation, but no, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily it. He just started a year later. That's all. That's mm-hmm. why. They're the same player. They, he just started a year later. Um, so, yeah, I, I obviously I'm looking forward to Malkin's 1,000th game. You really do hope it happens uh, this year, here, on this team as well just saying and i'm sure it will though but beyond that if i had to pick a realistic choice because i kind of forgot uh yeah i gotta go with the winner here the pool and lager debut we've been talking about these kids forever now and it's oh finally finally their big time opportunity maybe yeah it's the year that they're closest to getting the first year that there's really an actual chance i know last year we mentioned that hey if they impress, they could get up there. I, I think a lot of that is also the fact that we haven't had prospects in, in a while to yeah. get excited about. So we're excited to see what these guys' payoff is. And it might happen this year. It might not. But it'll be the first year that we probably see them in Wilkes-Barre. So at least we'll get to watch them in a professional setting in the AHL. I am excited to see their debuts. Obviously, Nathan Legare a couple of years ago in the preseason having that two-goal performance. A lot of people were excited about that. Sam Poulin, there's a lot to have been excited about him. I know a lot of people are saying he needs to work on his skating and work on his foot speed. So we'll see if he does that in the AHL or or see if he's able to do that when he gets to the NHL. But when you talk about foot speed, I'm excited to see what Kasperi Kapanen does with a full season. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy was electric last year in a year where he had a leg injury in a year where he had visa issues getting over. So he didn't really have a full training camp, obviously coming off of the COVID break is difficult as well. So I'm excited to see what Kasperi Kapanen does with a full year, especially because he will probably be in the top six the entire year last this year, whereas last year he did have time where he spent on the fourth line a couple games. He was on the third line a couple games. He bounced between the first and the second. So whenever Malkin is back from injury and Kapanen 
has a full camp and has a full 82. I'm excited to see what his numbers end up being. But I obviously am excited for Poulain and Lagare. I'm excited for more P.O. Joseph. That is almost a given that we're going to see more P.O. Joseph this year. And Evgeny Malkin, I don't think he's going to seem like a second fiddle celebration for a thousand. Yeah. And I know you, you walked back on that comment, obviously, but I think the Penguins have done a really good job. I was there the day he scored his 1,000th game. They've done a really good job of making it seem like these two superstars are together and not one is better than the other. Obviously, Sidney Crosby's legacy is much more cemented than Evgeny Malkin's, but I don't think it's that further behind. I think Evgeny Malkin's legacy is right there with Sidney Crosby's. And hopefully, the end of his career continues to follow that trajectory and finishing in Pittsburgh. And hopefully, I'd love to see him get to 1,000 this year. That means we'd get at least 60 games of Evgeny Malkin. Only missing 22, that gives you about the first month of leeway to miss with that MCL and ACL recovery. Is he going to do it? I'm not sure. Somebody actually commented on the Penn's poll and said that this is going to be his last season because he's retiring afterwards. I don't think that's the case. I haven't heard anything. If that person that commented that has... Definitely DM us. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that story, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, I haven't certainly seen anything, and I'm sure Evgeny Malkin wants to get to the 1,000-game mark. I'm sure that's something on his mind. Maybe not the front of his mind, probably in the back of his mind, but that's that's a goal that he probably wants to achieve. I'm sure it is. That's Especially with how, how much of a hand he kind of played in Crosby's 1,000th game, I'm sure he kind of wants the same sort of sentiment and... Just that's a hell of an achievement, no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's one of those goals you set for yourself when you start in the NHL. You play your first game and you think, "All right, now let's, you know, keep grinding. Let's hit that one thousand marker." You know, obviously it goes, "Let's hit two, three, on." Then it rises from there. But eventually, you get mm-hmm. to the point of, "I'm going to be here pretty consistently. I got my big long contract. I'm getting paid. Let's stay healthy. Let's hit a thousand because it's one of those." It's one. Of, it's just one of those achievements. It's one of those NHL achievements that um, are always discussed. Mm-hmm. It's always the this player played a thousand games. You're put on a list. You know, you're kind of remembered forever in that sort of vein, and you just keep going from there. Yeah, out of curiosity, I did look up to see where Chris Letang was as far as games played. He has currently played 863. So. Little less of an opportunity for him to get there, but if he plays full seasons and stays healthy, knock on wood, then there's a chance he could get there in a couple of years. Yeah, it that's one of those things about great players too, is if you think about it, how many of them really a lot of them played a thousand games, but how many of them didn't? Like how many of the best players of all time didn't play a thousand games? I don't think Bobby Orr did. Uh, I'll look that up, but obviously uh, the big one that we know is, is Mario Lemieux did not play right. a thousand games. Yep, I think that was the obvious one. I don't think Bob Yore did just because he only played ten years or eleven years or something like, something like that. Uh, Mike Bossy, I know, is one that really only played ten seasons and only hit seven hundred fifty-two games. You got that Bob Yore number? Yeah, Bob Yore played for twelve years and only played in six hundred and fifty-seven games. Yeah, that dude's knees are ruined. Uh, he's one of the one of the best players of all time. He, it's a shame he couldn't play any longer. Uh, yeah, but no, some of the best players of all time never touched a thousand. So you yeah. just kind of add to a legacy by hitting a thousand. Yeah, for every Yarmir Yager, there is a Bobby Orr. Yep. Where you don't know how long you're gonna get these star players, so you better enjoy watching them. 
yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to like roll through names. Eric Lindros, I know, battled injuries, 760. So, you know, you mentioned it for every, you know, let's change it up for every Patrick Marlowe because he set the record this past year, and that's important. Mm-hmm. There is an Eric Lindros, there is a Bobby Orr, there's, you know, longevity is a great thing in the game, but uh, some of the best, I mean, it, it was, it's a brutal game. Some of the best were just attacked on all fronts, you know? Yeah, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Like we mentioned earlier, we will have Jesse Marshall coming on probably later this week. So that'll be a great interview. Always fun getting to catch up with our fellow former pioneer. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.